Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Be seated. Rabbi, it is good that we are here. That might be the understatement of the year, but indeed it is. It is good to be on that mountain and apart from the world, apart from the sin, apart from the politics, apart from the hustle and bustle, apart from the sadness and death, from the struggles, from the misunderstandings, from fighting, from uncertainty, all the stuff we'd like to escape from in our lives. It is good to be here with Jesus in His glory. So Peter wants to stay. Of course he does. Who wouldn't? Who wants to go back to work or school after vacation? Who wants to go back to coach after being in first class? We want to stay. And notice, Jesus does not rebuke Peter. Now let's be honest. Peter sometimes says stuff that needs rebuking. He had, in fact, just a week before this. When Jesus told them he must be crucified, Peter objected strenuously. And Jesus rebuked him just as strenuously, saying to him, get behind me, Satan. Jesus is not shy about rebuking his disciples when it is needed. But he doesn't. Not here. Not now. And not because he was too busy talking with Elijah and Moses to pay attention to Peter. No, he doesn't. Because he agrees. Yes, Peter got it right. Well, partially. Yes, it is good to be here. Yes, Peter should want to stay. And yes, Peter, Jesus wants you here with him in his glory. Yes, yes, yes. But not intense. And not just for a time. Jesus wants Peter, James, and John, and all the world with him and Elijah and Moses in glory For eternity. That's what he came to do. That's what he was going to do. That's why he was going to Jerusalem. To provide this. For the future of the world. So Jesus came to be the prophet. Greater than the great prophet Moses. For Moses led the people of Israel out of their slavery in in Egypt. But Jesus came to save the world from our slavery to sin. Moses used a staff of wood to perform those wonders that would break Pharaoh's back. Jesus used a cross of wood to crush Satan's head. And while sin and death kept Moses from completing the final step of the journey into the promised land, sin and death would not stop Jesus. 
Though he died for the sin of Moses and you and me and the world. He rose from that death. And rising from the dead, he ascended into heaven. So no sin left unatoned for. No death unconquered. No step untaken. The glory and life of the transfiguration is now open and available to all. And that tent thing, Peter... You know, Jesus had done that before. When Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt, God actually did dwell in a tent with his people. It was called the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. That's where he and his glory dwelt for the people. Glory that was indicated not just by a cloud, that filled the tent and led the people through the wilderness, but also by that whole Moses' face shining thing we heard about earlier. That whenever Moses went into the tent to speak with God, he came out with the skin of his face shining. Shining like the shining that was happening in the transfiguration. Because as you can imagine, the arguments or objections that might have come up when the people were rebelling against Moses, which they often did. Yeah, Moses, right. You go into a tent and claim to talk to God, yada, yada, yada. How do we know? How do we know you do? How do we know what's going on in there? How do we know you're telling the truth? Well, that, his face, hard to dispute that. But here's the thing, despite that, the people still rebelled and continued to rebel. They didn't do what God said. They worshiped the false gods of the nations they encountered. When you read through the books of Exodus and Numbers, the impression that you get is all they did was grumble and complain. God in a tent wasn't enough. It was important. It was significant. But it wasn't where they could stay. It was, in fact, pointing to a greater reality, a greater tent, and a greater glory. When God would dwell in the tent of Jesus' flesh. So that not just one man or three, but the world could see his glory and dwell with him forever. That's what Jesus had now come to do. And it would be a victory even greater than Elijah's great victory. For just as Jesus came to be the prophet greater than the great Moses, so too he came to be greater than the great Elijah. Elijah, who as one lone man fought the 450 prophets of the false god Baal and the 400 false 
prophets of the goddess Asherah on Mount Carmel. But Jesus, as one lone man, fought all the hordes of hell on Mount Calvary. Elijah used an altar of stone. Jesus used an altar of wood. Elijah drenched his sacrifice in water. Jesus was drenched in his own blood. The fire of God came down and consumed Elijah's sacrifice. And the fire of God's wrath against the sin of the world Jesus was bearing on the cross consumed him. But just as with Moses... Elijah and his victory weren't enough. In fact, Elijah's victory hardened the evil queen in her sin so that she threatened to kill Elijah so that Elijah ran away. No glowing face, no glory, just it's no use, God. You might as well kill me for I'm a failure as a prophet. But the victory wasn't for Elijah to win or lose. This was God's fight. And what happened with Elijah and all those false prophets on Mount Carmel was just a small skirmish in the upcoming war, a war Jesus would win. Though he looked like a failure of epic proportions, When he was taken down from the cross and laid in the tomb lifeless and dead. That just led to his even more epic victory. When he rose from that tomb alive and full of a life that could never end. That's what Jesus had now come to do. So Jesus does not rebuke Peter. Yes, this is what he had come to do. But at the same time, Peter and the others still had a lot to learn. And how they would learn that is by what the voice said. The voice of God the Father which came out of the cloud. This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. Listen to Him. Because this is what he has been telling you and teaching you and showing you. So instead of saying no and rebuking him, listen to him. And in case there was any question of who God was talking about, who they should listen to, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. Listen to him. You want to stay here? You want to be with Jesus in his glory? Listen to him. He will tell you. He will teach you. He will show you how. Good advice for us today as well. Listen to him. Listen. To him. So first of all, listen. That seems to be a lost art in our world today. 
With the rise of technology and social media and the internet, there are a lot of people doing a lot of talking and saying a whole lot of things, but it doesn't seem like a whole lot of listening. And who we do listen to, are they worth listening to? Are they putting up a tent for a glory that isn't going to last? Or are they leading us to the glory of eternity? Which leads to the second point. Listen to him. Jesus is the one telling us maybe not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. The truth of who we are, hopelessly sinful and unclean, but the truth of who he is, the one who came to give us life and hope. To give to some glory in this world and life, but to provide for all the glory of eternity. So while you may or may not have the first glory now, you can have the second. Glory for eternity, which of course is the greater. So listen to him. Instead of telling God who you are, your self-constructed identity, that I'm a this person or I'm a that person, listen to him. That who you are is a fallen sinner. But after you've been baptized, a child of God. You inherited sin when you were conceived, but that sin has been washed away in Jesus' blood when you were born anew, born from above. So that sin that would bar you from His glory can bar you no longer. That's who you are. Listen to Him. And instead of of telling God what you have to do to get along in this world and life, that that I just have to do this or, or I just have to do that because God just doesn't get it and following His Word doesn't work, listen to Him. That sinning, that following your own wisdom, your own desires, your I know what's best for me, isn't going to get you what you want or where you want to go. The Bible is filled with such stories. Listen to Him. Listen to Him whose word gives life and freedom and forgiveness and glory. And instead of telling God what you need, like He doesn't know, listen to Him. Listen to him who knows you better than you know yourself. Listen to him who says, this is my body, this is my blood, given and shed for you. Take and eat and drink. This is food for your journey to eternal glory. Food to strengthen you. Food for life. Listen to him. Listen, for if you want life, if you want to be in glory, if you want to stay in that life and glory, He is the only way. Everything else is a tent and glory that will not last. But Jesus wants so much more for you than that. So He came down from heaven 
and was laid in a manger. And in the same way, He comes down from His transfiguration to die and be laid in a tomb. For you. All for you. That you who will one day also be laid in a tomb will rise with Him to glory. With not just Moses and Elijah, but with all the faithful in that glory that has no end. So it's good to get a glimpse of that, to know where we are going when life gets rough, when it seems like a tent would be a step up in my life, when we get trampled on by others, when life doesn't seem worth living. At just such times, it's good to know where we are going and how to get there. That as we will again remember this Lenten season that we are about to enter on Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, only through the cross comes glory. Only through repentance comes forgiveness. And only through death comes life. So listen to him. Listen to him who said from the cross, it is finished. And who says to you now, all is forgiven. And who will say to you on the last day, welcome home. Those are words worth listening to. In the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. Amen.